0: Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association.
1: You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. Your nation's public radio source for all news information strategies things you need to know to get on the path to financial independence through real estate investing we are live every wednesday at 5 p.m eastern time if you've been in the habit of listening to us on the podcasts and wondering how it is that people get their questions answered here on real life real estate investing it's because they're listening to it live on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. at wmkvfm.org. You can ask your questions this evening by giving us a call at 772 9658 or 877 772 9658 or by going to askvina.com and filling in the response form there at that email address it will arrive to me via email and be especially careful today to tell us from which area you are writing you can also just check a box there and receive our weekly e-letter which contains a reminder about the show coming up and articles by and about our guests and their topics as well as other information about the real estate world Just go to AskVena.com. Our topic today is why you should evict your tenant. That's right. We're talking about why you should evict your tenant. My guest is Mike Rukovina from the Canton, Ohio area. Mike is a former Marine who has completed over 200 evictions in the last 20 years without ever having lost one single one of them. And he is here today to talk about his philosophies and practices in eviction court. Mike, welcome to Real Life Real Estate.
0: Hi, Vina. It's uh, glad to be with you tonight and uh, welcome all your listeners. Uh, Hopefully we'll
1: have some good information for him tonight. Yes, and I I say tongue-in-cheek that we're going to talk about why you should evict your tenant. Of course, we never want to evict tenants. What we want is to be paid, but I had a conversation on the way to the show today on the phone with a longtime landlord who was telling me that one of her tenants has not paid her for the past two months, and I said... Why is she still there? And she said, well, I feel really bad about evicting her because she's been such a good payer for the last four years. Now, on the one hand, it's, you know, that, that's, that's kind of nice, right? I mean, it's kind of a, you know, nice, nice uh, attitude to have. But uh, you, Mike, would completely disagree with that uh, decision,
0: well, first and foremost, uh, I want to say that um, I and none of us should be in the eviction business. We, we, we aren't in the eviction business. We're in the business of providing housing. And like you said, we're looking to provide housing for our tenants, uh, good, clean, safe, affordable housing. And uh, we're looking for them to live up to their obligations just like we live up to ours. But again, first and foremost, this is a business. It's not a charitable business. It is a business, and we need to run it like a business. Um, I think a lot of people get that feeling. About well, she's such a good tenant. She's she's been this. She's such a nice person, et cetera. The idea is that um, we number one, we have to treat all of our tenants the same, uh, partly for fair housing purposes, and partly just for good business and ethical purposes. We have to treat everybody the same all the way across the board, and we always have to remind ourselves that it is in fact a business. Uh, the hardest thing to do is when you have some of those tenants that uh, you've come to know and love because. uh... We actually developed somewhat of a personal relationship with them. But again, you have to let them know, as I've done with all of my tenants, that this is a business and you will always have to abide by our policies. Uh, we always try to work with our tenants to the extent that we can, but if they aren't going to make it, then we have to go forward with an eviction process.
1: Mm-hmm. And do that without feeling guilty about it. What is it about landlords you know in any other business like like if i walk into the grocery store and i take some food and on my way out i tell the owner well i'll 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 pay for this as soon as my check comes um i'm going to get arrested but in in the landlording business uh, folks seem to be perfectly happy to let their customers steal from them in the <laughs> sense of living in a house that they're not paying for why why do you think that is
0: I think there's a couple of things, and uh, first of all, again, you you mentioned the word stealing, and that's exactly what they're doing. They are stealing from me and from you every time that they don't pay that rent. Um, as as uh, I think you might have mentioned, I'm a former police officer also, and uh, oftentimes I uh, stood guard at uh, some of those grocery stores, and we would routinely arrest people for stealing five dollars, or ten dollars, or fifteen dollars worth of meat or some other grocery products, and uh, you, you would never dream of walking out of a grocery store without paying. But yet in our business. And when you and when you typically steal from us other than those uh one bedroom apartments that might be in the three or four hundred dollar range, you're normally uh in the five six seven hundred thousand fifteen hundred dollar range uh, under the criminal law that would be would be a felony theft, and yet we treat it with uh so nonchalantly like it's no big deal but I think a couple of different things um number one, I think most landlords most landlords that I know number one I've never known a, a landlord that got in this business to be a slum landlord they never got in this business with the idea that hey i just want to get in this business so i can throw people out on the street they got into the business because it's another form of income for themselves they love the business they love providing good decent housing for uh, tenants and they and they like having that uh, landlord tenant relationship most landlords that i know are are very compassionate people and they don't want to see somebody get kicked out on the street i think another big thing is that um, a lot of real estate investors i don't know that there's it's necessarily the majority but i would just about guess that the majority of real estate investors are grew up in a middle class type of uh uh livelihood they um typically typically are, you know the people that have the uh z 3 uh type houses or the apartment complexes and that you know these are middle class people so they have middle class values they know how how tough people are uh, have it out there so they they empathize and sympathize with these people and they put themselves in their shoes and they let their emotions get involved Uh, you have to have uh, compassion but at the same time again you have to remind yourself that you're running a business
1: Mhm mhm. Very true and another another thing that I hear um uh from from people from time to time from landlords is well I don't want to evict them because it's November and at least they're paying the utilities and the 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 copper's not getting stolen cuz they're living there and you know I'll wait until I'll wait until January or February and 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 see how things turn out. I mean it's kind of amazing how long landlords are willing to let Uh, tenants live rent-free in a property. Uh, and when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, eviction avoidance, ways to try to make sure up front that you're not going to have to do an eviction, and then uh, why when the time comes time to evict, it's going to make you more money to do so. You can give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or send us an email by going to askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm Bina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Mike Rukavina, who is the past president of the Stark County Real Estate Investors Association up in Akron, Ohio, past president of the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association, landlord for over 20 years, former Marine, former policeman, and runs his rental business like he's a former Marine and a former policeman, i.e. people pay. And... Many of us would be much better off if we did the same and, uh, you know, made people pay when they, uh, and I, I mean li- their rent. That wasn't euphemistic. Oh, you're going to pay if you don't get out of here. Uh, the um, the business of being a landlord is, in fact, a business where you have accounts payable and accounts receivable, and you have to collect those accounts receivable in order to make those accounts payable. So we're talking today about the reasons that you probably need to just get over the whole i feel guilty about it i don't want my property vacant over the winter etc and move those tenants on out of there now um mike let's again you you don't you don't evict tenants for fun nobody does it's not it's not a cheap thing to evict a tenant and it's not a fun thing to evict a tenant so Really, we should probably take as step one, what do you do up front to try and avoid an eviction?
0: Well, Vena, we've got uh, a whole series of steps. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work, but um, we, um, we have our processes, our systems in place, and it, uh, it starts with that very f- first phone call when and a uh, would-be applicant calls us on the phone. We've already done some pre-screening in that very first phone call just to see if we even want to set an appointment to show, show a house uh, to these people. Uh, with today's uh, computers and, and all the uh, Internet uh, access that you have to things, very oftentimes while we're still talking to the people on the phone, we're already pulling them up on the screen and finding out about their evictions and, the, and their criminal history and all the other things that uh, we may find undesirable. And either at that time while we're still on the phone or shortly thereafter we'll call the people back and say, hey, you know, I, I found all these different things on a computer. I just want to be sure that this is actually you or is this somebody else that we're looking at. And, and if it's you, do you have any ex- explanations for these different things? And sometimes they have a very justifiable and plausible explanation. So we'll go on to step two to actually uh, setting an appointment and showing the house. The next uh, step that sets the uh, stage is the application process and the screening process. And even back on that uh, first process on that uh, preliminary telephone conversation, oftentimes we get people that uh, will hang up on us because we ask too many questions, even on that first phone call. And when they find out uh, what kind of probing we're doing even before we've met them, they know what their own history is, so they've already eliminated themselves. They've already screened themselves out by hanging up on us, so we know we don't have to waste time showing the house. When we get to the application process, we go through a uh, thorough questioning process, and interview process at that time, and then we do a very thorough screening process to include uh, checking with uh, their employment history, checking with uh, more than just their current landlord, but we want to check two and three landlords back. Uh, we want to find out about their criminal history um, and, and the whole nine yards. We, we do as thorough of a uh, background check as we can, including a uh, credit application as well, so we know what we're uh, dealing with before we get into the process. If, if we get, do get to the point that we've accepted an applicant and we're going to put that uh, lease together for them, then at that time, and, and, and we are very, very often told uh, that they, people tell me all the time, I have never, ever seen a landlord that goes through this type of process like you do. When we meet with our tenants for a uh, lease-up and lease signing, we spend almost an hour and a half with them, never less than an hour, sometimes as much as an hour and a half. Uh, every single tenant that I've got gets a three-ring notebook. And it's an inch and a half-thick notebook, and it's full of information. It's not just their lease, but it's got anything and everything that they want to know, need to know, should to know, or things that we want them to know. And we spend time going over every bit of that. And uh, we kind of conclude that that, uh, process by letting them know that we are very fair uh, landlords. We are professional landlords. We provide good and decent housing, but we're also very firm because it is a business. So we let them know right up front what they can expect of us, and we let them know what their what our expectations of them are. Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. Now there's another step that uh I understand that you go through that a lot of a lot of housing providers mean to but don't and that is you try you try to head off problems uh, that occur post move in by doing regular inspections.
0: Yes, we um we we tell every tenant uh, when they first come in that uh, you know, we, we tell them all the things about uh, what the Ohio Revised Code um, allows us to do regarding access to their property, and we let them know that uh, approximately three months after they move in, we're going to come through and do an inspection of the property, just in case there's some slim chance that we made a misjudgment or miscalculation of character, and that the this immaculately uh, clean, bug-free, mouse-free house that uh, we're moving you into, we want to make sure in the uh, first 90 days that uh, you're keeping the house that way and that we're both starting off on the right foot. And uh, when we do that inspection at that time, if we find that things are not up to par, then we're going to give them time to correct and we're going to come back in 30 days and do another inspection. Uh, Otherwise, if things are the way we hope they're going to be and the way they should be, then typically we let them know that we're going to come in once to twice a year for both preventive maintenance inspections and or for uh, health and sanitation inspections, so we can, uh, number one, catch problems, uh, maintenance problems and maintenance issues while they were small problems and inexpensive, but also gives us an, an opportunity to make sure that the uh, house is being maintained in the standards that we want to see it uh, maintained in. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And uh, it's been my experience that sometimes you screen what's a really good tenant, and then they move in and they're a really good tenant for a while, and then something happens. Uh, normally it's discovery of drugs <laughs> like they like they suddenly they suddenly they suddenly the world of crystal meth opens to them or to uh, some new roommate that they have and during these inspections you find that you're you're basically running a crack house now most most landlords at that point don't know what to do I, I, you know they call the police and the police say well you know there's nothing we can do without proof and uh, you will actually I understand evict a tenant for damages that they're doing, things that they're doing in the property, et cetera, as opposed to non-payment of rent.
0: Yes, that's correct. And, and let's back up on your first commentary there. It, uh, even after, um, I guess I've been at this business for, I guess, maybe 26 years now, I am still amazed at, at, the, at the things that we run into and the encounters that we have, including an eviction set out that I had today that people have been there for two and a half years and the place has been excellent, and they've been fine, and just in the last six months, all of a sudden, these people just spiraled out, out of control, and we got to their place, and it was a roach-infested house, and it was just it was disgustingly filthy and everything else, and we'd been in this house six months ago, and, and they had been good and, uh, tenants all along for the last couple of years. But very often, we have absolutely fantastic tenants. Very often, it happens with uh, uh, single ladies, especially. They move in, and they're, and they're fantastic tenants, and then they take on that boyfriend that... Uh, uh moves in either on an authorized or unauthorized basis and uh he brings his drug activity with him or all of a sudden he becomes a uh, a dependent of the tenant that I had there and all of a sudden the rent is no longer getting paid or we have other issues going on the drug activity etc when we do our by doing our routine uh, or periodic I should say inspections if we see any indication of drug activity or other violations of the lease uh, we will send out and uh, i don 't know if as uh, if you talk about uh, states across the country they have eviction laws vary, but here in Ohio, for non payment of rent, we serve a three day notice and then we can go into our complaint process and start the eviction process. You can also start a uh three day eviction notice if you have indication of drug activity uh otherwise for other lease uh, violations, you have to start with a thirty day notice and you do have to give them time to go ahead and correct that. Those uh, violations that you noted, and then move forward with the eviction process. Otherwise, but again, by by doing those inspections and uh, staying on top of the tenants, if we see damages to the property, we don't wait until they move out. We want to get those damages taken care of right now. Either they have to fix them, or we will fix them and and bill them. And if they don't uh, comply with payment, et cetera, then we're going to start the eviction process. And likewise, especially with the drug activity, we are very quick to uh, uh, try and get those people out of there. And again. Even with all the screening we do and with the fact that I'm a uh, former police officer, some of these people still get by you, or especially when uh, they move in the, the uh, unauthorized people after you've gone through your in- initial lease sign-up. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Mike Rokovina from the Canton, Ohio area, a very experienced landlord who has completed and not lost... 200 evictions, 200 evictions, and he's never lost one in court. We're talking today more about the whys, the the the, the philosophies of eviction, et cetera, today. So if you have any questions at all about uh, the eviction process or how Mike manages his properties, give us a call here in the greater Cincinnati area at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658, or send us an email by going to askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Don't forget, you can always become a fan of Real Life Real Estate Investing by going to realliferealestateradio.com. We've got over 5,100 fans of Real Life Real Estate slowly catching up with bacon, which has something like 10 million fans right now. But we're going to get there. We are going to have more fans than bacon any day now. That's real real com. Also, if you're in the greater Cincinnati area, come check out the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meeting tomorrow evening. The early meeting is Mike Rukovina talking more about his rental business and how he runs it as a former Marine would run a rental business. He's also going to be doing an all-day presentation this upcoming Saturday here in Cincinnati. You can get more information about that at com. That's com, or at 859-292-7342. The main meeting tomorrow night is a an update on the state of the multifamily market with Dave Lockhart from CB Ellis Realtors, and uh, he's going to be talking about which direction rents, cap rates, prices, etc. are heading here in the tri-state area. So if you have interest in landlording or in purchasing commercial properties, great meeting to attend tomorrow night, 6 p.m., the usual location, the Community Action Agency building at Jordan Crossing at Reading Road and Seymour Avenue. Again, more information at dot com, or at... Eight five nine two nine two seven three four two, uh, Mike. We received an email here that's that's uh, I, I would say more along the lines of a uh, comment uh, than a question. This is from Fatima, who is from the Akron area, up in your neck of the woods. Uh, she says one of the things that I tell tenants or uh, prospective tenants uh, when they call about a property is uh, I I ask them, if you like the house, do you have the money today to make a deposit? If they have no money, I tell them to call me when they have money. It's extremely rare that they ever call me back to rent my house. Also, with Section 8 tenants, I ask for a non-refundable fee of $500 when they give me their inspection papers. I do this to make sure that they're serious. If the unit passes the, the... Uh, inspection, and they change their mind. They do not get this money back. If the unit does not pass or I reject their application, I give it back to them. Otherwise, too many Section 8 tenants change their mind and waste my time. The money is applied to deposit when the unit passes and they rent the unit. So some good advice from another landlord who's apparently, according to her email signature, been in it for 30 years. Uh, We're talking today about evictions. If you have a question or comment, give us a call at 772-9658. Or if you are listening outside the greater Cincinnati area, call us at 877-772-9658 or send us an email by going to the AskVena.com website. Uh, here is a question for you, Mike, from Robert in Hudson, Ohio. He says, Mike says that he tries to be firm with his tenants, but he also tries to, quote, work with them. Can he provide an example of when he thinks it's appropriate to be flexible and deviate from strictly enforcing his policies?
0: Okay, that's, a, uh, that's something that we're going to look at on a case-by-case basis. Uh, it's uh, just like the uh, lady that you talked to earlier this evening. You've got a tenant that's uh, got some history with you uh and any good good history uh we're going to tend to look at somebody like that differently than somebody that's been with us for 2 or 3 months and they're already messing up on their rent payments and and uh other lease violations or that type of thing um we're, again we're going to evaluate the entire situation if somebody tells us that they just lost their job and again they've had a history of making uh good payments and everything and now they got uh cut back on their hours they uh lost their job etc but they're out looking then then we're going to try and work things out with them but again this goes back to that uh lease up period and everything else that we tell them at that time what's going to happen with our eviction process and we let them know that if you're going to have a problem with your with being late on a payment give us a call in advance let us know if you need to make some kind of arrangements we will work with you but i also tell them this if you run as due on the 1st of the month and even if you gave me a call 5 days in advance to tell me that you're going to be 5 or 10 days late with your payment I let them know right then and there, we are still going to serve a three-day notice to you on the second of the month. We are still going to start implementing the late fee on the second of the month. However, if you told me that you're going to pay on the 10th of the month, I'm going to wait until the 10th of the month and, to, and before I go ahead and file that uh, eviction complaint. Uh, if you come through like you said, then you just gained some additional credibility with us, and that's going to help you out the next time you have an issue. If you don't uh, make that payment on the 10th, then we're going to go ahead and file the paperwork. Uh And otherwise, the other thing that we do is uh when we know somebody's got a uh, uh maybe they got their hours cut or some other uh, issue came up in their lives uh again we aren't without uh, totally without compassion. We will work out a promissory note so that we can start them fresh on the next month if that's what they need. but we definitely do a promissory note, so we have a a totally separate instrument that I can go into court on a, on any occasion if they don't comply with the uh provisions of that promissory note, so we do have a second uh instrument there. And uh, real quick, just to uh, touch on the lady from uh, the commentary from Akron, Uh, she is doing something, and I'd almost be surprised if maybe uh, she hadn't come across my form because I've I've shared it with uh, people up at Akron before. I actually use a uh, retainer form, and it's important that she calls that a retainer and not a deposit. It's a non-refundable retainer, which is distinctly different from a deposit. And uh, one of the primary reasons that we implemented that system is for the same reason that uh, she's noting the issues and problems that we were having with Section 8 uh, applicants, because they would shop until the till three days before their uh, voucher ran out. They would lock in with us. They'd lock lock you in as a, as a landlord. You think you've got that uh, property rented, and then the very next day they go down to Section 8 and get a 30 or 60 day extension, and they keep on looking for something nicer. And then all of a sudden, 45 days later, tell you that uh, they're not going to rent your place. So that that was the initial reason that we uh, started that retainer process, but we use it with all all of our applicants, whether it's uh, Section Eight or otherwise. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Now, uh, Robert had a second question as well. Does Mike ever feel threatened or at risk when he- inspecting his properties for drug activity?
0: Quite frankly, I, I typically typically don't. Um, and again, um, I, I just had a conversation with one of my. Uh, friendly competitors the other day and he towers over me but he still doesn't consider himself that big of a guy and he just had a confrontation with a tenant that was uh, six foot four and 230 pounds and uh, he felt somewhat intimidated by him. Uh, I'm only five foot seven and uh, about 165 pounds these days Um, but uh, between my Marine Corps training, my police training some martial arts experience, and just the way I carry myself, uh, the confidence that I carry myself with, the assertive, if not aggressive, nature that I project if I have to. I typically have not uh, concerned myself. Uh, I, again, I, I acted or served as a police officer for a number of years, oftentimes in a cruiser alone, sometimes with a partner, and you routinely had to uh, get into some very volatile or hostile situations. Uh, typically, we don't run into much hostility with the uh, tenants, but every now and then we do get a little nose-to-nose confrontation and when they see that I don't back down they typically do back down it's been been, been a very very long time since uh, we've uh, seen anything physical happen with a uh, tenant
1: well to head off this question because I know I'm going to get it what would you do if you were say a woman housing provider working alone wanting to do these inspections
0: Um, a whole lot of different uh, possibilities come to mind and you as a uh, real estate agent uh, I know that uh the uh, realtors have had uh, safety classes and that type of thing especially geared toward uh, just those kind of situations uh you can do anything and everything from taking uh, somebody along with you be it uh, another female friend a male friend uh what what have you you can hire a maintenance person or a management person to go ahead and do those inspections for you uh certainly you can carry out something like uh, pepper spray or so along with you um let them know that uh, when and when you will be there. Let somebody else know, whether it's your spouse or, again, somebody back at the office. Let them let them know what uh what your whereabouts are going to be, who you're meeting, what time, etc. Um, but again, always be concerned about your safety. If you, especially again for the women, if you're dealing with houses in those uh, tougher neighborhoods, number one, don't buy a house in a neighborhood that you're afraid to, to go into yourself. And, again, remember that you don't have to personally do those inspections. You don't have to do them alone.
1: Very good. I just got a question from Tom in Atlanta who says, does Mike do the inspections himself, or has he developed a system that allows him to reliably delegate this important function?
0: Absolutely. Everything we do in our business is based on systems and processes. Uh, They're always in a state of... um, refinement because I'm never never quite satisfied. I'm a I'm a perfectionist and always looking to make a system more efficient uh and uh more in tune with what our needs are. But uh we um we have a system set up for all of our maintenance where I use an Excel spreadsheet and, and uh I hardly even have to meet with my maintenance man about once a week or every week and a half because he's got a priority schedule for maintenance and he's got the contact information for the tenants, the addresses, phone numbers, et cetera, and he takes care of that maintenance. In the process, he has a set of guidelines that every time he's in a house, there's certain things that he's going to look for uh, maintenance-wise, like the smoke detector batteries, changing furnace filters, even even though some of those things are the responsibility of the tenant, we make sure that they get taken care of while we're in there. And he's, We also have a system when we do this, uh, what we call a preventive maintenance inspection, That we try to do once, sometimes twice a year if we can uh, work it on in. And again, that's all done with a system. It's got a checkoff system. My maintenance man can do that uh, on his own, go through and and check all the things we've got on our list. It would be uh, similar to a Section 8 uh, inspection list along those kind of lines, and he checks all the things that I want him to check and reports back to me so I don't personally have to do those inspections.
1: Okay, question from Marilyn in Cincinnati. Mike mentioned that if the payment is not made on the first, he delivers three-day notices on the second. And by the way, for those of you who aren't from Ohio, the three-day notices are noticed to pay or quit. I know in different states it's a 10-day or a five-day, or in Ohio it's a three-day. Uh, she says that allows no grace period. Isn't it, re- isn't it required by law to allow your tenants a grace period? For instance, if they don't pay on the first, they are late on the fifth.
0: On, on the contrary, I give them a 30-day grace period. You know, on the first of this month that you run going to do on the first of next month. <laughs> um, <laughs> and again, con- contrary to uh, popular belief, that there, are, there are an awful lot of myths out there about the whole real estate investment uh, business, and especially about landlording. There are tons of myths out there. And one of the predominant myths is that there's a mandatory grace period. In the state of Ohio, there is no grace period. There are certain states, like that, and I couldn't name them because I don't know all the uh, laws throughout the land, but uh, some states do have a three- or five-day grace period. The state of Ohio, in landlord-tenant law, which is governed by the Ohio Revised Code, does not call for a grace period. And, again, I let my people know that up front that you've got a 30-day grace period. You know on the first of this month it's due on the first of next month.
1: You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm talking today to Mike Rook of Vena, who is uh, talking to us today about evictions and why they are an important part of your business that you need. You just need to bite the bullet and do them. If you have any questions, you can call us at 772-9658, 877-772-9658, or send us an email by going to askvena.com. It's Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for all news and information about residential real estate investing. My guest today is Mike Rokovina, who, again, is going to be at the Cincinnati RIA meeting tomorrow night, talking uh, at more length about this same topic and about his rental business. Uh, we're, We're unfortunately just scratching the surface here versus... Uh, what he intends to share with you tomorrow night. So, whether you're a member or not, give the REA meeting a shot tomorrow night. It's uh, right here in the Greater Cincinnati area. You can get directions and more information at cincinnatireia.com dot com. That's Cincinnati R E I A. dot com. Uh, now, Mike, um, as we mentioned sort of earlier in the show, a lot of landlords don't. Evict their tenants because they think that they're afraid. They're afraid of. of they're afraid of losing money. Uh, you know, evictions cost money, and also they say, "Oh, you know, I'm going to have to heat it over the winter." And uh, if they can pay anything at all, that's better than having a vacancy and trying to find another tenant. Uh, you would argue that you actually are going to make more money by filing evictions and filing them quickly. Can you explain that?
0: Sure. Uh, a couple of things on that 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 I'd like to address. And uh, First of all, part of the uh, reason that uh, landlords don't evict people, uh, and, and was, uh, there's a whole host of reasons, but uh, three of the primary reasons are fear, because they lack the knowledge of the system, they don't like the confrontation, they just don't know how to do it. Number two, they think if they have to hire a lawyer it's too expensive they, and they, they don't want to spend that money to go through the eviction. And their feeling is, I just want them out. I don't want any confrontation. I just want them out. But the other thing is, when, when they keep those people in there, and and again, it never ceases to amaze me that I go into court, and you find that the landlord that's in front of the judge served a notice all the way back in January, and we're, we're in October, and he's just now coming to court because he's finally fed up that it's been 10 months. That's part of the reasoning and problem right there my feeling is that i start that eviction process absolutely immediately because with evictions even when you win an eviction court and, and as you stated earlier i've never lost an eviction but even when you win you lose because evictions don't make you money they simply cut your losses they minimize the losses that you could have otherwise and every month that that, that you leave that uh, person in there on a non performing property again you have to look at this like a business a typical 1,200-square-foot, three-bedroom house in a working-class neighborhood. In my area, that would be a 6 or $650-a-month house. My cost on that, my daily cost is $25 to $30 per day. Uh, you might be down at $20 a day. You might be down at, all the way down at $15 a day for an apartment or so. But you're $25 or $30 a day every day is that house is not performing. Secondly, if, if I'm going to give free rent to somebody, I'll give free rent to one of my friends, my relatives, or homeless vets. I'll choose who I want to give that free rent to but again you have to start that process immediately what we've historically found is that once a tenant gets two months behind especially if he start squeaking a little bit beyond two months they never get caught up it's easier for them just to go ahead and move on out so we try to nip it in the bud and minimize our losses uh... I'd, I'd rather take the short-term loss now and, and get them out of there and, and uh, get that house back on the market and I'll, I'll weather the storm as far as the uh, utilities or et cetera but again we want to get that house turned back around again and performing
1: Uh, And we just got a a, a comment via the com website from Robert in Peoria, who says, it's been my experience that handing tenants a notice to pay or quit often causes them to pay their rent. In the past, when I would simply give them verbal notice or ask them to move, they would often get three to four months behind in the rent before moving. I find that when I actually give them the notice on the fifth of the month, Uh, it is much more likely that I will actually collect that rent and we will go on into the future with a successful relationship.
0: Yeah, Robert's uh, exactly right on that. And, uh, Robert, I used to uh, work in Peoria years ago and uh, lived in a house over in Eureka, Illinois, and uh, worked in Peoria, Illinois, managed an office over there for some years. Uh, But he's absolutely right. Uh, A a comment that I would make on that is that uh, we we train our tenants to become bad tenants by by accepting and, and tolerating bad behavior. Again, this goes back to that initial application process and that lease-up process. I let them know what they can expect from me. I let them know what I expect of them. And then we actually do, unlike a lot of landlords, they say things, but then they don't follow through. We actually do it. We serve a three-day notice on the second of the month. We enforce a late fee, even if it's only $5. Um, We document everything in writing. We let them know that this is a serious business and we're not going to accept unacceptable behavior. And what you find very often is that instead of being tenth on your list of bills to pay, you do, do start moving up, being that uh, first or second person on their list of payments.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've noticed that a lot of people, not not just tenants, but everybody, pays whoever's barking at them the loudest, whether or not that's the priority bill, and uh, that that court notice that you're going to be you're going to be set out of here if you don't pay me. Uh, often is the thing that brings you up to the front of the list. If you have questions or comments uh, for Mike on the eviction process, seven seven two nine six five eight or 877 772 are the numbers to call here in the studio. Or you can do what Bob and Robert and Tom did and send us an email by going to com. There's a little... Uh, form there that says, if you'd like to ask me a question, put it in here. You better do that pretty quickly, though, because it's fairly common that when we get to 10 minutes before the end of the show, I go home and find emails that were sent five minutes after the end of the show. And uh, we have somebody here with uh, what he describes. He describes himself as an involuntary and unfortunate eviction expert. So if you have questions about this topic, uh, today is a good day to ask it. Um, let's talk about, because uh, Mike, I know as a, as a as a former policeman, you spent a lot of time in eviction court, not just on your own behalf, but watching other people evict people and probably testifying for landlords and things like that. Uh, what are some of the major mistakes that you see the housing providers making in court that is causing them to lose cases, even though the tenant has in fact not paid their rent?
0: Um, actually i mean there there are probably a couple of dozen glaring mistakes that uh, happen on a routine basis um but and I'll touch on two or three of them this afternoon and and I always um enjoy watching this you know when you sit there and I, and I always purposely take a front row seat because i I want to hear what's going on both from the uh tenants and from the landlords and again, it never ceases to amaze me that you get landlords that come in there that have no clue what the eviction process is all about and most of the judges, especially especially for a first cause of action, which simply means that you're going to get your property back for non-payment of rent. I mean, that's a slam dunk case, and to lose that, you have to do some really stupid things. It's, a, it's another thing when you get to a second cause of action, where there are financial damages. Uh, that's a little more uh, complex, but to lose a first cause of action, you have to do some pretty ignorant things, and that's what we see people doing all the time. A lot of times, it's uh... bad notice or bad service. They didn't properly serve the uh, the tenant. Uh, one of the big things is if you serve a three-day notice, and again, this is the state of Ohio, recognize that uh, different states that do different things, In the state of Ohio, if I give you a three-day notice to pay or quit, what that means is pay or quit. So if you offer me money during that three-day period, I have to take that money. Very often, landlords just choose that They're fed up and, they, and they, they want the person out, so they refuse to accept the money in that three-day period. That's an automatic loss. You know, if the tenant shows up in court, you're going to lose that uh, hands down every single time. One of the other uh, really big things, and this is a major, major mistake that so many landlords make, and this is why you can't, It's just like the guy that uh, served a three-day notice in January and doesn't come to court until October or November, it's, it's what we call lulling the tenant. On a regular basis, you accept late rents routinely. Uh, This goes on for month after month. You do it with a number of different tenants, but then one day you just get totally fed up and you lose your temper and and you say, okay, I'm going to evict this guy. Even if you have a written lease, you go into court and you show show the uh, judge, well, Your Honor, I've got this written lease that says they're supposed to pay on the first of every month. And then the tenant comes back and says, well, Your Honor, for the last ten months he's let me pay two weeks, four weeks, six weeks late. The judge is going to rule, and in most cases are going to rule in favor of the tenant because what you did is you actually amended your lease. Even though you have a written lease, you amended your lease by setting a new pattern, and you actually have to write a letter, give a 30-day notice in writing to modify your lease to say, by the way, our original terms are back and forth, and you have to start paying on the first of the month again, and then you have to enforce that. That's one of the biggest mistakes that uh, landlords make all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, you know, uh, just uh, other miscellany, being disrespectful to the magistrate is a very bad idea. Um, <laughs> mouthing that, that, off. That
0: would be a no, that we would classify that as a no-brainer. <laughs> no-, <laughs> no
1: matter how mad you are at your tenant, <laughs> no matter how stupid what the magistrate just said was, uh, it's yes, Your Honor, no, Your Honor, <laughs> because uh, I've, I've seen folks... Uh, um, threatened with contempt of court for <laughs> for just getting angry with the magistrate.
0: Um, you know, the, uh, and again, hopefully we'll talk about that. We're going to get into a lot more detail tomorrow night and then a whole lot more detail on Saturday. But, the, um, again, that first cause of action, they have what they call a finding of facts. And there's only five or six things that you have to state, and then just keep your mouth shut. You don't have to give them all kinds of stories or anything else. Don't take it personal. Just present your facts and 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 shut your mouth, and then the uh, judge will take over from there. But it's when when you start taking it personal, you start attacking the uh, you know verbally attacking the uh, tenant or verbally attacking the uh, judge. That's when you're going to run into problems. And if you know how to do a uh, eviction properly, it's a very very simple process. Especially that first cause, it's a very very simple process.
1: Okay, I have a question here from Brent in New York. He says, evictions here are so expensive that, and lengthy that it's it's cheaper for us to pay our tenants to move. Have you ever tried this, and what sort of luck have you had?
0: Okay, um, again, the um, around the country, I know that you've got different uh, fee structures. I'm not sure what they are there in New York. Um, I, w- I will first and foremost say that I never, ever, ever, ever have paid a tenant to move out of one of my properties. To me, that's just uh, morally repugnant and it adds insult to uh, injury. It's putting salt on the wound. And I, and I would uh, just about completely tell you that I will never, ever do that. Uh, we should never say the word never because it, uh, uh, who knows what uh, unforeseen circumstances may come up. From a purely financial standpoint, that could be looked at as, as a very efficient means because you just wanna get your property back, you wanna get it back on the market. From the standpoint of improving our industry and also uh, maintaining my name, my reputation about how I run my business out there on the streets, I don't, I don't condone that. Um, if you don't go through the eviction process, it's it's good for Brent that he got his house back a little bit quicker. However, now when Mike comes along and wants to find out and do a background check on Brent's tenant, there's nothing on record that shows that this person has ever been evicted. Uh, They can lie to me on on the application. they never even put uh, Brent down as a reference, and I've got no way to check that. So for the benefit of the industry as a whole, for the benefit of your fellow landlords, I encourage you to go ahead and and go through that eviction process, even though it does cost some money uh, along the way. Um, I I know there are some people that uh, go along with that uh, process of of paying the tenants to get get out of there, but I personally will never do it.
1: Very good. Uh, We are about out of time, but... As a reminder to the folks here in the greater Cincinnati area tomorrow night at the early REA meeting at 6 o'clock, Mike will be addressing how I run my rental business for maximum profit with minimum hassle. He's coming all the way from Canton to join us uh, tomorrow evening, so check that out at the 730 main meeting. The topic is understanding the multifamily market in the greater Cincinnati area with Dave Lockert from CB Richard Ellis. He's going to discuss the direction in which commercial properties and apartments are headed right now. Mike, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with our listeners here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. Thanks to all the listeners who participated with your questions. And we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.